Artistic Whispers Productions presents Let us make man in our own image Said God Man, being a gentleman, return the favor. You're listening to Sculpting God, a podcast anthology written and read by J. Daniel Sawyer. These stories contain enough terror, sex, violence, and wonder to keep you awake all night. All over the world, in mental hospitals, there are people who believe themselves to be Napoleon, or Hitler, or Christ, or the President. Of course, no normal people would do that, would they? Well, maybe actors. Maybe for a while. But nobody normal, right? Do you like your PlayStation? Your movies? Your podcasts? Your internet porn? Your World of Warcraft? Your second life? Game, or film, or photo, or song, or virtual reality. We always find a way to tell stories. We are the storytelling animal, and we create worlds. Grand reopening! This month only, get a free Hawaii upgrade with any family picnic. Teach your children about planetary science. Show them the only other place in the known universe to have alien life. Free souvenir photo book with our new Europa excursion scenario. Scuba certification required. Training available. Take your spouse to an exclusive adults-only resort in Luna City and get a free add-on fantasy package of your choice. Choose from the best in manufactured literature available anywhere. For a limited time, buy one, get one free. Opening the universe to you every day with state-of-the-art virtual reality. We create worlds. It was the same copy as our radio ads, but in the layout it popped. I arranged the copy around a good solid curve, busty but subtle, catchy. No one would know why they couldn't stop looking at it, but when a human being sees an Eddie or a Zuma, it gets distracted. When a shape is disguised, hidden or cryptic, the brain won't let it go. It's the best damn flyer we ever put out. Nobody's used flyers for years. Messy, environmentally unsound, irritating. Well, let me tell you, my dear voyeur, one generation's headache is another's heroin. Flyers may have been useless back when everyone was putting them out, but now they're paper gold. Something tangible makes the offer real. People can touch it, feel the little texture cues, the scent of the paper, and they believe that what they're buying from us is also real. So for the shop relaunch, I went bollocks out, over the top, loading in all the subliminals, the pheromonals, the visuals, and the NLP tricks. I knew they didn't actually work for much, but it was a special occasion, and the owners appreciated the extra effort. The crowning achievement was the new name, It's the real reason the relaunch worked. Gone were the days of adult realities. It was Rick's virtual playground no longer. False advertising anyway, since I never owned more than 3% of the shop and didn't really want to. I mean, Christ, board meetings with the old Sicilians every quarter? Count me out. They smell like garlic and look like death on a good day. And they know this market about as well as a high-speed hunk of lead knows how to tap dance. 
Now, the new name. Oh, the finest gift the goddess ever gave me for the price of a tab. It was straightforward. It was snappy. It reeled him in like pike on a bait chain. It was perfect. I'd done it up in a sign ten feet across the front of the building, lit up so you couldn't read it for a mile down the street. We create worlds. (laughs) And we do it on the cheap. Hey, everyone needs to escape and slipping off into a world where your brain doesn't know the difference is a hell of a lot better than slipping your mind down into a needle. I'm a paramedic and I know it. And like any good paramedic, I give out treatments. I don't cure. Temporary, palpable escape into the worlds made in the closet. They're gagging for it. Who wouldn't be? They sit in cubicles or plugged into net terminals or hassled to death by their kids all day. And the real world just don't have the shine it did when they was teenagers. Everyone, and I do mean everyone, who walks through that door needs me. I mean, they could do it on their own. Most VR shops are self-serve. You walk in, order up something on a screen, do your business... Most kids buy a home rig. They're not quite as good, but they're damn cheap. Nothing's stopping them. Nobody's holding a gun to their head to make them come in here. I have to work for my bread. And if the shop doesn't run well, I don't eat. If it runs at a loss, I don't breathe. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. The suit slobs aren't good people to owe money to. It's a high-stakes game, but then again, where else are you going to get the money for a place like this? The market conditions are tough. Nobody dared to build an arcade after the Xbox, and nowadays, nobody wants to go up against Sega and Disney in VR. Nobody's that crazy. Well, nobody that works at a bank, any road. So, I provide adventure. I provide service. I keep my shop clean and my nose bent, and I do what I can to keep the customers satisfied. The job is its own reward, and the benefits are brilliant. When they leave here after a couple hours of happy delusion, their nonsensical grins tell me how long it'll be until reality gets the better of them and they need to come back for the next fix. Most are satisfied with a manufactured novel, though they don't sell like they used to. Some people like to keep their fantasy at arm's length, or at least enjoy the illusion that their secret piccadillas are private. In the old days, they were the hook on a pretty direct route. They start out with the books, they move on to a good old-fashioned hunter-killer game with a human quarry. A while later, that pulled and they switched sides in the game, and at that point, they needed Jack for their fix every time. The route ain't so direct anymore, and our focus has changed a bit, but we still have something for everyone. For example, Sunday afternoons are introverted loser day, with men coming in fresh from church for some serious worship with the projection of the pastor's wife or the dance troupe leader. You can see it, can't you? We provide a valuable community service. Our Notorious World Leaders series gives the sadists a way to let off some good steam by officiating a human sacrifice, keeping a healthy harem of captive and unwilling women plundered from the neighboring tribes, orchestrating battles, playing Tokamata or Bathory, or having a good old-fashioned pedophilic dismemberment orgy with the Borgias or Tiberius. The only serial killers you'll find operating in this one-horse town are the ones that come in here on Thursday night. People are kept safe, nobody gets hurt, and the owners stay happy. If Pilot had my shop, he'd never have needed a cross. No half-baked desert hippie could have had a chance to raise a ruckus when everyone around has got top-shelf stress reduction at hand. Of course, when you keep a shop, each day is pretty much like the next, and that's all there is to say. But man, oh man... That day started off with a rash of sorority birds lining up all to use the VR arenas at once. 
The suits ain't compatible across genders. Form-fitting sensor nets them. And I ran dry on the fem suits at one point. Those things don't wash themselves, and the girls weren't having no tea party. No, no, no. For them, it was a standard hunter-killer program. Jungle variety terrorism. Nice for working up a good sweat. And let me tell you, those birds are sadistic. Wouldn't want to be set on them in a dark alley after seeing what they do to their friends over a game. And holy hell, I had to network all the arenas together at once. When I spec'd a system for this place, I didn't get one designed to handle that much. Hey, I work on a budget, what could I do? It was a royal bitch getting them routed around all the fail-safes. But that is why the red man lost his shirt to the big penguin. There's always a way. And it was worth it. Let me tell you. At a hundred bucks a piece every hour, I earned nearly a week's commission in one day, and that ain't the half of it. I ain't gonna forget this and Average day gets me maybe 20 regs at the outside and a couple of itching tenderfoots, but this place was hopping like a cockroach in a frying pan. Now with sororities, you can always tell the leader. She tugs the others around like a brood of goslings. She was shorter and rounder than the rest of them, but she moved like an empress and her voice was like chocolate. What's the big occasion? Oh, just a birthday party for one of the sisters. Oh, you girls in the sorority then? A blind rabbit could have smelled the Greek solidarity from the mint patch if he still had his nose about him, but he kept her talking. I swiped a card and glanced down at the monitors. His sisters were all at different points in the peeling process. Did I say those VR suits are like a second skin? I forgot to mention how much they don't look like real skin. Getting them gone was a definite improvement. At least until they finished their shower off and found their street clothes again. Not an ugly one in the bunch. Yeah, over at State. We're having an end-of-the-year party next Wednesday. Would you be interested? Hey, interest is my middle name. Consider me there. Ah, here we go. Your total's 3K. If you like, I can bill you monthly, or I can put it all in through right now. Put it through now. It's better than dealing with the bills. Okay. I punched the transfer off into the keypad. Looks like we have a winner. So, I glanced at her American Express. Erin, how can I find you this weekend? Saturday nights must be mighty cold on that drafty old campus. She pursed her lips at me and winked, then slipped a card into my hand as I passed the Amex back. Smooth as a velvet tongue, that girl. Call me. Before I could continue the conversation, a gaggle of her cohorts emerged from the dressing rooms. They flocked around her like she was a Kool-Aid vendor from Guyana. Eh, who could blame them? Her voice sounded like it walked out of a sex factory before they'd had a chance to fit it with a good suit of clothes. The other girls might be a pleasant diversion, but Aaron... I waved them out just in time. Four hours of solid estrogen pollution hanging thick in the air is enough to make any duffer choke taking a breath. Once I recover, though, well, let's just say Aaron's way of plotting an ambush in the arena gives me the shivers. There's something there with that girl. I couldn't wait to find out what it was. The bell on the door was not my idea. One of the morons who owns a pile of stock suits has a bit of a fetish for things that dingle. His cat, his children, his goddamn cigar cutters always dingling with those rancid little bells like they crawled out of Santa's pants for air. Last time I saw him, I had to spend a whole night in the arena watching old Beatles concerts until I couldn't hear the dingle anymore over the constant torture of Hey Jude running through my brain. The bell was his revenge. He didn't really like it when the changeover caught him with his pants down in front of the other dons. At least it's only Mrs. Alvarez. She's a regular, comes in here every now and then to fetch a new manufactured novel. She prefers insipid little romances, the ones that feature secret adulteries and long-lost lovers cropping up in unlikely places. But I don't judge. She's a good customer, brings a lot of class to the place. 
She's plain, always wrapped up in that wool trench, too old really to be interesting. If my commission structure allowed it, I might feel sorry for her, stuck in what must be a loveless or lifeless marriage. If she were younger, nah, not worth it. I don't get paid for that. She likes her books, and I'm her bartender, not her magic man. Even so, I programmed a new set of variables into her presets that she could find mildly shocking and entertaining. I wouldn't be doing my job if she wasn't a little shocked, after all. Way back in the beginning, we were only a manufactured bookstore. I got the place funded because I wrote the system. Best virtual AI in the world. This one could actually tailor the manufactured novels to the style of a thousand different authors, which set us apart and got us a more literate clientele. The literate ones, back when they were still a good demographic, were the ones who could afford the perks we were offering. I kept the easy chairs and the couches even since the business dropped off. We haven't needed the space yet, and people do like to sit down and relax while they read, free of charge. Keeping them around usually means they'll buy more than one. Problem was that shortly after we opened, the fad died out. Literacy was passe again, and all the real book junkies went back to sapient novels, saying the stories written by humans were more artistic. That kind of pretentious nonsense was bad for business. With that kind of boneheaded appeal to culture, we could either change our marketing strategy or we could fold. The money men didn't fancy their investment failing after only a few thousand percent returns, so we added manufactured movies and porn. And it did the trick. Business soared. We eventually made enough to install a few VR arenas and a couple of private rooms for those with more advanced tastes. Of course, none of them, especially not Dingleman, listened to a damn thing I said. They spotted a good thing and ran with it, and they bought all the advertising they could. We were going to saturate the market, expand, set up franchises. Well, they thought so. They didn't reckon with the main problem. VR porn is big on burnout. At first, we had new customers come in and order full-on orgies, hardcore S&M sessions, and some stuff that gives me the shudders still thinking about it. Caligula had nothing on those morons, let me tell you. The thing is, you dropshift a guy from vanilla sex with his high school sweetheart who he married the little chapel down the road into that kind of theater, and they just stop showing up after a couple sessions. They knew what they wanted, what they wouldn't admit to anyone, and they jumped right into it. You gorge yourself for three days straight on caviar after eating graham crackers your whole life, and you just ain't hungry anymore. And that's assuming they lost interest. I did spend a good month hiding from one pissed-off woman who found a man out when he couldn't get it up at home. So as sure as you get fertilizer out of a politician, when that happened, things went downhill fast. That pissed-off little missy got the community involved. The Baptists did what Baptists do best, boycotting us, picketing, blackmailing customers a whole bit. We were going to have to fold. And if we did, it would be my ass in a sling. All that work straight down the sewer pipes and flushed out to sea, and the money men's special collection agents rapping on my door. I always gotta have someone to blame, and it's never them. I had to think fast before they found a better use for my head. I brought the problem to them, suggesting we change the whole image. We could be wholesale fantasy, cater to everything, family-friendly, the whole cartload. We'd change the name of the shop and restrict the hardcore stuff to regulars who were already so hooked they had no one at home left to tell. And they bought it, which meant I could stop sleeping with a gun under my pillow. The rebranding was the last step, and we'd done pretty well for it all. 
Saturday is family day, officially anyway, and we keep the family scenarios fresh. The Hawaii offer from the ad is particularly popular and it keeps the kids and adult coming back for more. What starts out as a novelty becomes an indispensable family pastime. I don't do too badly for it either. Damn that dingling door, always bombing the tracks in front of a good train of thought. Adds to the homey atmosphere in my eye. Paul, another regular, just came in strutting like a peacock with a branch up his ass. About normal. He asked for the Battle of Waterloo. Again. Most people would want some variety, perhaps even a little triumph in their lives. Not this master of the financial universe. Paul, have you ever considered trying out one of the battles Napoleon won? No, no, no. He dismissed the idea with an aristocratic wave of his hand. If the first great emperor won the battle already... Child's play. I deserve the honor. No, the glory of a more difficult battlefield. Ismek. God. It's almost as if he likes getting his ass kicked as penance for his success. You know, if you want a challenge, I could up the danger by having Napoleon captured rather than killed. Now to confirm my theory. Ah! Sucking in the air like a goddamn elephant. Give the first great emperor a chance to defeat the enemy from inside their own encampment. I like it. Anticipation grew on his face and he tucked his right hand into the front of his coat. You cut a dashing figure, my lord. Your doom awaits you in Arena 2. You'll find a fresh suit and helmet in the dressing room. I handed him the code card with the enhancements, and he accepted it with an air of indifference before sticking his puggish nose in the air and striding back to the dressing room. <laughs> the piglet is emperor. Before he did Waterloo, he played the HK programs as the prey. The moment he began to outfox the computer, he upgraded to hopeless battles. He'd been doing Waterloo for two months now, five days a week. The program says the battle lasted the better part of a day and night, but Paul started out with three-hour runs and whittled it down to losing in under one. Every time he comes out of there glowing like he's had the best sex of his life, I think he's beginning to believe he is Napoleon. Still, he ain't the most colorful face I see every week. Falk takes the cake for that. He's our biggest hardcore customer. If what I've seen on those monitors is any indication, the man has more imagination and concubines than Solomon. His stamina is almost as impressive as his credit line. Almost. The owners love him. He drops more money here every week than any other two people combined. I love him too. He's usually around all day, so if I ever get bored, the screen for his booth is only a click away. It ain't just entertainment. He's so hooked I can jack up the prices on him and he don't mind. As long as I don't pump them so high I lose him, the owners cheer me on rather than sending me a dinner guest. I love this business. I love the people. I love the challenge. I loved staying after hours. I'd turn off the experience recorders and use a private room myself. I had this program that started with a long massage with a golden-skinned Mexican girl, and I could make that one last until my balls were blue as a summer sky and I couldn't walk straight. Ah, yeah... The stiff kind of ruined it for me. Made me cut back and not go in so much. One of my regulars should have been out of the store a long time before closing. He must have paid in advance. God, it was a bloody mess. Slid a scalpel down his own throat. Nasty, nasty. Put himself right out. Eighteen months back now. Last straw for the protesters. Apparently his secret tryst program was up. Why does every lazy two-bit get name his program like it was a C-movie? And he couldn't take reality anymore. 
Made us shut the place down for six weeks to clean the blood out of the carpet and retool our image. After all that time, I still couldn't go back into Arena 2. It gave me the squeamies just thinking about it. So I was careful. I couldn't afford to lose touch like that. Better than the real thing, I'll create worlds, but I had bills to pay. Paul finished his battle in only 20 minutes. A new record. He came out strutting through the shop glowing like a pregnant woman. You could have lit a good-sized orgy with a smile on his face. I reckon he'd have to upgrade to the Siege of Jerusalem next. I resolved to give his captors some personality next time. Maybe some nice broom handles and some Vaseline. Let him get his full penance in. That'd keep him happy till he was willing to move to a more hardcore scenario. The sunlight spilled in over the hills between me and the bay. I thought about the night ahead. I didn't have anything scheduled. I have to be in early tomorrow to supervise the system upgrade. We were adding a new holographic arena in the old hawk shop next door. All the demos made it look pretty slick. No helmets, just a latex laminate for touch sensations. The images were projected in real time, in real space, and could be seen with the naked eye. No more retina projectors or VR bullshit. For those with the means, this was the next phase. I figured I'd have to try it just for kicks. Mayhap it'd ship with a trainer program, or I could use Old Faithful. Maya, the Mexican massage goddess. When I got back to get Mrs. Alvarez, I found her laying back on the overstuffed velour sofa. She flopped a trench loose over the back so the wool prickled out, and a long peasant boots resting on the coffee table like it was a footstool, one crossed over the other under the fringe of a schoolmom shirt and reading the manufacturer I'd just programmed for. But it went from one of the normal readers. She'd sprung the extra ten bucks for her hard copy and was making notes in the margins with a pencil. In a manufactured novel? I came close up behind her and tried to read over her shoulder, but her head kept getting in the way, so I cleared my throat. <clears throat> she turned around and looked up at me from her seat on the couch. Hi, Rick. I'm closing up, Mrs. Alvarez. It's time to go now. She nodded and closed her book, saying, Thank you, Rick. I'll be along in a moment. As she said so, she put a book in a handbag and handed me her credit card. Oh, here you go. When I walked back to the counter, something prompted me to glance back at her. Her head had fallen from its usual bun and was cascading in delicate black curls around his shoulders as she used the coffee table to stretch her muscles for the walk home. Her button-up trailed open and the edges hung loosely about her hips, showing a black bodice coming up out of her brown skirt. She couldn't really be in her fifties, could she? She looked up and nearly caught me staring, but I ducked behind my counter and performed a swipe. I punched in the auth codes and transaction approved flashed across the screen and the console spat out a receipt for $40 US. I thought about dialing up a massage program after she left, but as I shifted my weight around on my feet, I chucked the notion. I wanted to get moving. I needed to find a party to pull or something to do. All day sitting by the counter washing suits, watching the experience monitors. I needed to get out and relax, find something active to do. So I shut down the console and started the arenas on spin down. Mrs. Alvarez came out from behind the display case and picked up the card and receipt, and I pushed her out of the store as politely as I could. No customers, nothing left to do, and I needed the air. I punched the lock code and turned to walk off. I nodded to her. Good night, Rick. She gave me a half smile and kept looking at me out of the corner of her eye even while she walked away. Her heels clopped steadily on the concrete as she walked out to the parking lot. I needed to go find a way to unwind, but the breeze picked up and I caught a little smell of flowered talc in the air. Her boots stopped. I looked back after her and saw her taking a moment to look up at the moon, faint and hazy through the dull red sky. She had been writing, writing, in the margins of a manufactured novel. She'd wasted pension money, you can tell a lot about a bird by the card she uses, on a hard copy when I knew damn well she had a serviceable reader. 
She wasn't moving, just standing there on the corner. Yeah, I didn't have any plans anyway. It wasn't more than a minute's walk to where she was leaning on the telephone pole. What were you doing in there? She looked at me like I'd spit on a shoe. Excuse me? Making notes in the manufacturer. Why were you doing that? Mayhap I was intruding. She arched her eyebrow at me. I suddenly felt like a little kid. Out from behind the counter, not working a party, not trying to chat someone up. I suddenly realized I had no clue what I was doing. Why the sudden interest, Rick? I've heard of stranger things happening in that shop of yours. It just ain't normal. I mean, it's a machine-made book. Why... It wasn't a textbook, it wasn't a croquet manual, it wasn't a bleeding astrophysics paper. It was a manufacturer, pure entertainment. It's weird. She sighed into the night. Oh, it's a long story, Rick. Why don't you walk me home and I'll tell you about it. I hesitated, cold city tickling the back of my throat. Come on, I'll cook you dinner. Now don't get me wrong, I didn't dislike her. There was something about standing out next to her on that curb that made me want to stay. I don't give a hoot and hell about Ben and Mary Broad. A man can't satisfy his wife, that's his problem. It's just that, even though all her favorite novels were about seduction and scandal and other salacious shock sex, well, for someone like her, I never thought she'd actually want a fling in real life. But here she was, inviting her favorite shopkeeper home for a little bit of nibble to carrots. I guess even a dull housewife needs some excitement now and then. I fumbled around with a few witty retorts before I gave up and nodded. She took me by the hand and led me south, leaning against me as we walked. A warm tingle passed up through me in spite of myself as our feet echoed off the still shop fronts. Well, the truth is, I'm trying to find problems in the manufactured stories. I used to be into sapient literature before it became so expensive, and over the last few months I've noticed some subtle problems with the manufacturers. The machine recycles plots and dialogue, or at least I thought it did. Since then, I've been trying to decipher the variables. I'm not trying to improve on the program. I'm trying to learn to write myself. I think that I can do better, in spite of any technical imperfections. <laughs> I laughed. Your story, Uncredulity, was more than I could take. You can do better? How? This system could outright Shakespeare, and it's much more user-friendly. No one could improve on my program. I made sure of that when I built the thing. But here she was, a closet literati. Mayhap the only one I knew. But that's the problem. She paused for a contented sigh as she buried herself deeper into the crook of my arm. Ooh. They're so perfect that they feel mechanical. I've read some of the old classics and there's a distinct difference with them. You feel the characters. I nodded my head. There's no point in arguing with a woman when her mind's made up. And it wasn't like she didn't have a ghost of a point. Some of the old stories were subtler, maybe even more complicated. But the manufacturers were based on decades of psycholinguistic and literary theory. They tapped right into all the basic drives. They were immediate. They gave the reader more pleasure than any clumsy pile of words a half-drugged-out reprobate could vomit up through a quill. The manufacturers were superior, no doubt. But I didn't try to convince her. The line of little bungalows on the street stretched like an idiot stutter to the dead end. She pulled me off the sidewalk and up a path to a door. While she keyed the unlock, I got the prickles on the back of my neck. I was about to go into a married woman's house in the dead of night, and I had no idea where her husband was. I was begging to get shot. She opened the door and went inside. I stayed rooted to the spot. 
Well, Rick, are you coming in or not? She leveled her gray eyes at mine like a fox staring a rat. <laughs> I held back. I wouldn't want to upset... My protest <laughs> died as it passed my lips, and she blew past the woods like so many <laughs> fallen leaves. <laughs> my husband wouldn't mind if I went down to the Archdiocese and made every priest there a layman in a single night. Come inside. Light. The lights flashed on as she walked through the living room and pulled the fresh ingredients for a stir-fry out of the fridge. What kind of woman keeps fresh food in the house? But I couldn't let the comment go. Why wouldn't he care? Because, my intrusive suitor, he killed himself a couple of years ago. Though I'm convinced he was dead long before that. She put her knife down next to the half-chopped vegetables and sauntered confidently towards me. You, however, seem nearly half alive. Now, I don't know why I did it. She no 19-year-old pliable hot off the hop and looking to feel her shoots. She had crow's feet and her skin was thin and papery. She shouldn't have been interesting. But something about her hooked me. Something I ain't never heard a word for. Whatever it was, I slid an arm around her waist and held her head in my other hand. And I kissed her. Now, I don't seriously think a cloaked mosquito could get past her. If she was surprised, you couldn't prove it by me. I've kissed a lot of birds in my time, and not one of them has taken me by surprise. But this one, well, I didn't realize what I was doing until she was rolling my bottom lip between her teeth. Even then, I couldn't get enough of my wits about me to decide what to do, so I gave up and gave in. Wasn't until the oil in the walk started smoking that she pulled away from me and left me with all my blood following its brain evacuation plan to the letter. Twenty minutes of wrestling with a recalcitrant rice cooker while she whisked things this way and that and shifts through the walk, one lengthy dinner and a few hours of small talk later, she disappeared on me. I hadn't had a fresh-cooked meal since I was ten, so she had me where she wanted me, well-fed and easy to bed, not really caring which way was up anymore. One trip to refill the wine kept her longer than normal, and when I followed her, I found her just finishing a phone call in the bedroom. She started when I entered, but I barely noticed at the time. She'd slipped in through this see-through kemi with a kimono wrapped all around herself. When she saw me watching from the doorway, she walked slowly up to me, locking my eyes with hers. She was throwing every old cheap trick in the book at me, and they were working. On me. Me, for God's sakes, of all people. I'd have done anything she asked, and she asked me to stay. I did exactly what she wanted me to. I slept on the couch. Narrow and lumpy and made me feel like a frat boy, but I didn't need pet pills when I came into work the next morning. My eyes didn't hurt from the monitors, and I didn't need to do jumping jacks just to keep my neck from seizing up. I didn't really give a damn about the day. I hadn't been relaxing longer than I could remember. It didn't last. You have been listening to part one of We Create Worlds, written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer. The parts of Aaron and Nico were performed by Danielle Ozymandias. Visit her website at www.danielleozymandias.com. Music, kindly furnished by the following Podsafe Music Network affiliated artists. Al Phillip, George Robb, and Axe Pure. Opening quote by Voltaire. Sound design, recording, mixing, and post-production services for We Create Worlds, courtesy Artistic Whispers Productions, Castro Valley, California. This production is copyright 2008 Artistic Whispers Productions and is available under a Creative Commons non-commercial attribution, no derivatives license, and the story upon which it is based is copyright 1997 and 2007, J. Daniel Sawyer. All rights reserved to the author. 
So, why didn't the relaxation last? Well, you'll have to find that out on February 1st, when you'll hear the conclusion to We Create Worlds. And at that time, I'll give you my usual round of closing thoughts, but we're running long this week, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. If you've got a podcast you want to pimp, send a promo of two minutes or less my way, and I'll throw it into the banter section of the cast. I hope you enjoyed the story. Send feedback to feedback at jdsawyer.net or leave audio comments at area code 206-376-1925. Keep up with my authorial doings at www.jdsawyer.net where there's a lot of interesting stuff going on lately, a lot of news stories, and tune in next time for part two of We Create Worlds. Until next time. Sculpting God is written and directed by J. Daniel Sawyer. Web design, production, and post-production services provided by Artistic Whispers Productions, www.artisticwhispers.com. Theme music for the podcast provided by Podsafe Music Network affiliated artists 100 Year Picnic and 2012. <laughs>